brothers and sisters. Welcome, welcome. Episode 104, season four. As we continue to focus on God, we just thank God for his many blessings that he ever stowed upon us. Oh, not worthy. We thank him for a beautiful Saturday. Mm-hmm. Nice and sunny, a little chilly, but at least it's nice and sunny on today. Right. So we continue to focus on God. We've been on God for the last few Saturdays uh, since we started uh, Black History Month a little earlier. And we started <laughs> with the King's family, mm-hmm. connection with Ebenezer Baptist Church. Right. And then last Saturday, we, as we focus on God, our topic was Lord have mercy. <laughs> Because we yes. talked about Brian Stevenson, who's yes. born the same year he was born, 1959. It's a good year. Yes, good year. <laughs> yeah, November 14th, and who's an attorney, a social justice activist, law professor at New York University School of Law, mm-hmm. and the founder and executive director of EJI, or Equal Justice Initiative. Yes. He also wrote the book and was the executive producer of the movie, Just Mercy. Mm-hmm. So as we continue with Black History Month uh, tributes, uh, we're going to move to the other gender, as they say, the better side of That's us, <laughs> to the other gender, yes, That's the better side. And we're going to bring to you this amazing woman today. Yes. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, we just realized in our research how amazing the connection is with us and so with our hometown, which is Hickory, North Carolina. Right. So. Episode 104, season four, as we focus on God, our topic is the grandmother of the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. Our subtopic, African-American educator, civil rights activist by the name of Septima Ponset Clark, who developed a literacy and citizenship workshop that played an important role in driving in the voting rights and civil rights for African-Americans in the civil rights movement. Mm. Uh, September, uh, Septima Clark's work was commonly under the appreciation by Southern male activists. Mm. She became known as the queen mother or grandmother of the civil rights movement in the United States. Now, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. commonly referred to her as the mother of the movement. So Clark's argument for her position in the civil rights movement was one of that claim. Knowledge could empower marginalized groups in ways that a formal legal equality could not. Right. So you got a little snippet (laughs) of what this episode entails. Mm -hmm. But before we go any further, we always want to give a shout out to our fellow podcasters here on BS3 Network. Uh, There are uh, a slew of us, if you will, that Uh is bringing content each and every week for your listening and viewing pleasure. Mm -hmm. So uh, last but certainly not least, we give honor to our son, Ben Sutter III, who is the visionary and the tireless leader of BS3 Network. Um, He brings this... uh, very calm, very mm-hmm. uh, spirited energy to this network yes. uh, that follows with a spirit of excellence. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just a level that he operates on. And of course, right. 
he's raised that bar to where we have no other choice but to operate mm. on that level. So if you are interested in uh, being coached in this podcasting arena, he offers that services to you. Uh, that information is on your screen. Whether or not you want to be with BS3 Network or another uh, organization or affiliate, mm -hmm. you're you're welcome to reach out to him for his coaching services. Yes, yes. And again, if you have not downloaded us on Roku TV, uh, please do so. Check us out. Uh, a lot of enriching, informative, mm -hmm. very encouraging, spiritual, yes, you know, yes. entertaining content uh, <laughs> for your pleasure. So we encourage you to do that and reach out to us, if you will, at Suzerus Podcast. Our information is on the screen. We'd love mm -hmm. to hear from you. So without further ado, um, we will uh, go to our station identification so that you can see all of the content that's available for you on BS3 Network. BS3 Network, changing the way you watch TV. Today, we have discovered, it's all about the number four today. We are in season four. Mm -hmm. This is episode 104. Right. And this is Saturday, February 4th, oh, yes. which is, by the way, the uh, mother of the civil rights movement, mm -hmm. Mrs. Rosa Louise McCauley Park. Yes. It's her yes. birthday today. <laughs> so, you know, how appropriate it is yes. to honor both of these giants, right. these women of the civil rights movement, the mother, Mrs. Rosa Parks, mm -hmm. and now we're honoring the grandmother. So we just <laughs> wanted to acknowledge her birthday on today, right. February 4th, mm -hmm. 1913. All right. All right. Great. So now, yes. uh, Septima Hornsett Clark, she was born mm -hmm. May the 3rd, 1898. Hmm. and passed away December the 15th, 1987 in Charleston, South Carolina. Actually, where our cousin, uh, Angela Childs Kindred, is currently residing. That's right. Her life in Charleston was greatly affected by the era of Reconstruction, hmm. as well as power relations during that time. Hmm. Because during that time, 
the African-American community actually outnumbered the white people after the emancipation of slavery. Mm. So Charleston was, was strictly segregated and harshly divided by class. Mm -hmm. Her father, Peter Poinsett, was enslaved at birth by Joel Poinsett, farm, and also between Waccamore River and Georgetown. Now, mm -hmm. Joel Robert Poinsett was a distinguished U.S. politician of mm -hmm. his time and the namesake of the Poinsettia plant. Mm -hmm. Peter was a house servant. Uh, we like to say house Negro <laughs> to Joel as the main stake of his particular duties was to take the children to and from school every day. Ooh. But after slavery, Peter found a job working on a ship in the Charleston Harbor. During one of his travels, he went to Haiti and it was there that Peter met Victoria, which is uh, Septimus Clark's mother. The couple got married in Jacksonville, Florida, and then they moved back to Charleston. Mm -hmm. Her mother, Victorian Warren Anderson Poinsett, was born in Charleston, but she was raised in Haiti by her brother, who took her and her two sisters there in 1864. So this wow. is an example. Example of how African-Americans to escape slavery and racism mm. relocated to the islands. This happened to be to Haiti. So Victoria Poinsett had never been enslaved and vowed to never be anyone's servant. Wow. So she returned to Charleston after the Civil War mm. and worked as a laundrier. She raised her children very strictly only permitting them to play with other children one day out of the week. Can you believe that? Wow. She was also determined to make her daughters into respectable ladies. Mm -hmm. So she told them never to go out without gloves on their hands, never to yell in public, and never to eat out in the streets, etc. Now, Victoria Warren Anderson, porn said, lived in constant struggle of wanting to improve her social class. See, she wanted to live in the middle class society, but on a working class budget. Wow. Kind of like us today, living above our means. Y'all know what I mean. <laughs> so Victoria made it plain to Peter that she would not be accepting anything lower than a social class lifestyle. Hmm. So in order to provide for her and her family. So Victoria raised her children separately. That's right, with the boys having more of a lenient uh, rules and rights than the girls. So the boys could have friends over and play many days of the week, but the girls, the girls had to do chores and lessons every day other than Friday. So Septima, Septima, she, she rebelled against her mother's strictness sure. through never becoming the lady she wished her to be. And she married a man that Victoria considered a stranger. Mm. You see, Septima remembered only ever to be punished by her father. Mm. She didn't want to attend school, so that's when her father punished her. However, her father was not able to write his own name until later years of his life. Wow. Septima Clark's first educational experience was in 1904, mm. at the age of six when she started attending Mary Street School. 
All Clark did at this school was sit on the bench with a hundred other students all day learning nothing. nothing. Can you believe wow. that? Learning nothing. Mm -hmm. So Clark's mother, Victoria, she quickly removed her daughter from that school. And an elderly woman across the street from their house was teaching girls. So Septima learned how to read and write there. Hmm. Now, due to Septima's poor financial status, she watched the woman's children in the morning and in the afternoon to return in return for her tuition. So at this time, there was no high school, a black high school in Charleston. However, in 1914, hmm. school opened for blacks in the sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. And then after the sixth grade, she took a test and she went to the ninth grade at Avery Institute. Mm -hmm. All of the teachers were white women at the time. So in 1914, black teachers were hired and then brought much controversy to the city, which Clark took on later. She took a part in it through the NAACP. Right. Which brings me to my first scripture. Second Timothy four, three through five. It says, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine, instead to suit their own desires. Mm -hmm. They will gather around them as great numbers of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Mm -hmm. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Mm. This is why Septima went into teaching, to make sure her students receive the truth. The same sound doctrine needs to be taught today. While teaching at Avery Institute from 1919 to 1920, Septima Poinsett met Neri David Clark. Mm. He worked as a warden cook on a submarine in the Navy during World War I. So in the late 1920s, she went to teach at McClendonville until 1922. She and Neri, they wrote letters back and forth and dated for approximately three years and got married in 1923. Look at that, that long distance relationship yes, way yes, back yes, then. Way back then. <laughs> and they got married in McClendonville and then shortly moved to Hickory, North Carolina which was Neri's hometown. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the amazing connection, my brothers and sisters, because we're from Hickory, North Carolina. Grew up. Yes, and That's we are it. friends with her two grandsons, That's right. Neri third, uh -huh. and Eli Clark. Now, we was especially close to Neri, well, I was especially close to Eli, mm -hmm. because we were a little closer in age, mm -hmm. who is deceased now, God rest his soul. But I played basketball with Eli. We hung out together, Coco and Brooks and Alan Mitchell. That was our crew. <laughs> right. And so Eli was tall. He was like 6'9". He was. And he was really good in basketball. Mm -hmm. He could have played in the pros if he had stayed committed and made the sacrifice to improve his game. Mm -hmm. Then their father remarried after uh, their mother passed when they were young boys. And he remarried Alma Sutter which is our cousin. Right. This is the connection now. Right. So after that, so we always claim to be kin. You know, even though we're not blood related or blood relatives, 
which is very common in the southern very states. Common. Very common, you know. Because I had to dress all my father and mother's close friends as auntie and uncle. So we claim to be cousins. Mm -hmm. But Septima Clark's mother was disgraced by her marriage. Interesting. You see, Victoria oh. believed that a marriage Marrying a man outside of South Carolina was like marrying a stranger. Like we use the phrase, phrase, stranger danger. <laughs> right. But that was she was considered. If you marry out of the state, you're marrying a stranger. She refused to have her in-laws for dinner oh. or any other occasion at the house. So the marriage of Satima and Nira, it severed the, the relationship between her oh. mother, Victoria. So while living in Hickory with Nerai's family, Septima Clark became aware of many cultures and, and ideal differences that they had. They grew up in a different world. Hmm. Uh, she married a mountain man. I'm talking about a low country girl, <laughs> married a mountain man. But in Hickory, uh -huh. she attended the church Nerai's family did, which was an African Methodist church. See, she, she was actually raised up in a United Methodist church in Charleston. So she found that this church, the African Methodist Church, mm -hmm. is much more of a community-style church than her church in Charleston. Right. So throughout Clark's religious journey in life, she found there was many ways to serve and worship God, mm -hmm. rather than only one way which could be the correct way. Because the Hickory was a growing, manufacturing, uh, furniture, and hosiery town. So you had the people migrate from all over the county to come to Hickory to work, mm -hmm. which also brought some interesting characters who oh, loved yeah. the nightlife too, if y'all know what I mean. Yeah. All of them wasn't going to church. <laughs> so Septima got homesick. Right. She got oh, homesick. Yeah. So they moved back to Charleston where she taught at Promised Land again from 1926 to 1929. Mm -hmm. Here's about another scripture I got. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. It says, and let mm -hmm. you, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another mm -hmm. and so much more as ye shall see the day approaching. So the spiritual experiences is also similar to ours because I grew up in, United Methodist Church, Hearts of United Methodist Church. And mm -hmm. Irene grew up in African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church, which is Clinton and Me Zion Church in Hickory, North Carolina. Right. There are definitely differences in, in the way we worship. Big. You know, my church was more traditional, yeah. uh, hymn singing, having a solemn, mundane service <laughs> with more of a teaching style of preaching. And we even worshiped with a white United Methodist Church. Interesting enough, it's where I saw EWF, Earth, Wind, and Fire album in their social hall because of their spiritual lyrics. But now on the other hand, Irene's church was more spirit-filled, uh, singing up-tempo gospel songs, hand clapping, dancing, and shouting, having a hooping-style preacher. Not quite cogent now, not quite like Church of God in Christ, mm -mm. but a little bit more excitement and more enthusiasm than the United Methodist Church. Mm. They also did a lot of outreach in the community. So when we first met, we were singing in the youth choir. We weren't actually dating or anything, but that's when we right. first met, when I first noticed her singing in the youth choir. That's why I knew she had a beautiful voice way mm -hmm. back then. I really enjoyed the AME Zion, African Methodist Episcopal Zion form of worship. 
So when I preach at home, my home church in, in Hickory, North Carolina, which is the United Methodist Church, my delivery is a little different. It's similar to AME Zion because that's the way I was trained by Dr. Ronald L. Rogers in the AME Zion Church right. in Oakland, California. Mm -hmm. So some of my preaching friends, when they, they see me online, they get surprised. They say, wow, they let you preach like that at United Methodist <laughs> Church? Well, that's my home right. church. So I got a little, little leeway, a little, little leeway huh? in my church. <laughs> because see, I believe in the Psalms 100, 1 through 5. It says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, right. all ye lands. So they serve right. the Lord with gladness. Come Thank before his Lord. presence with singing. Know he that the Lord, he is God. It is he that have made us and not we ourselves, for we are his people and the sheep of his pastors. So we enter into his gates with thanksgiving, thanksgiving and into right. his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his holy name. Mm -hmm. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and in it's truth true. endureth to all generations. You want to say something about worshiping? Yeah, and, so my church, you know, uh, Clinton Tabernacle. As a matter of fact, that's where these shirts came from. Mm -hmm. See, it has uh, CT on the side, Clinton Tabernacle. Mm -hmm. That's still, you know, we still reference those as our home church. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a very close-knit church, uh, clusters of families all throughout our church. Um, and anyone, believe me, anyone could correct you and chastise you if they needed to. Uh, <laughs> verbally and mm -hmm. physically mm -hmm. <laughs> uh it was not a problem with any of the adults and so we walked a, a fine line mm -hmm. at clinton tabernacle it, it was <laughs> not you know we were not running a, a, a muck right, in the right. church you mm -hmm. know and so a lot of times you know we had to have walking feet in the sanctuary mm -hmm. those the, that was my foundation right um and i appreciate that even to this day mm -hmm. to where um, I think it was it was an important foundation that was laid, and mm -hmm. I have more reverence for the sanctuary than ever before. Now that mm -hmm. it being adult and that was laid. Right. Um, right. Now the worship it was it wasn't holiness, but mm -hmm. it was it was real and it, it was pure <laughs> and it was authentic. Right. 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 You right. know, where some country you know women that would do the singing and I mean they hand clapping, stomp foot mm -hmm. stomping. You know, uh, it was just. Uh, a wonderful church experience for me that I will never forget. And I still recall some of those old songs to this day. Wow. We sing hymns, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I did, I got those under my belt without a hymn book. I can mm -hmm. sing some hymns. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, we were similar in that, in that okay. sense, United okay. Methodist, AME Zion, mm -hmm. they were big on hymns. We've gotten away from that. Mm -hmm. But one good thing I remember, my mother is an excellent cook. And so everyone in our neighborhood and from the church would be at our dinner table, mm -hmm. including the pastor, mm -hmm. you know, on several, on many <laughs> occasions where we ended up eating the necks and the backs and the, and the little chicken wings. That's why I like just a little piece of meat because mm -hmm. I never got a lot of meat, <laughs> but, you know, and we lived, you know, interesting enough as most, most mm -hmm. black people do right behind the church. Right. So we didn't have to say, oh, I ain't going today. You know, mm -hmm. all they do is look out and say, now, why you didn't come to church today? <laughs> you, you know, you right. can't get away from it. So <laughs> we we did go every Sunday and it was a joy. Mm -hmm. It really was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in Charleston, they had their first child, which passed away. Mm -hmm. Now, Clark view was the death of her baby as a punishment to her because she married a man that wasn't from South Carolina. Mm -hmm. 
Her mother was not sympathetic and refused to help her. However, her father was friendlier towards her. To get over her lost baby, she took a job with a white woman for a summer. They mm. stayed in the mountains for the summer, and the woman was helpless, which gave uh, Clark optimism and hope. Mm. Septima then moved to Columbia and began teaching in 1929. It was a Columbia where she got much more involved in civil or civic activities. Mm. She then settled in Columbia, South Carolina, and in a total, Septima Clark spent a total of 17 years in Columbia. Wow. Much of her work there is documented in the University of South Carolina History de Department, mm -hmm. which under the direction of B.J. Donaldson has conducted extensive research on African-American education with special emphasis on the history of the Booker T. Washington High School. So while in Columbia, Septima Clark completed her foundation upon which her career, reputation, and memory would rest. She became a highly valued faculty member of Booker T. Washington High School. She completed her bachelor's degree at Columbia's Benedict College, and she completed her graduate studies at New York's Columbia University and Atlanta's Clark College. The level and quality of the education that Satima Clark received was typically of what was required as administrator of Booker T. Washington High School in Columbia, mm. who recruited highly trained teachers from all over the country. After J. Andrew Simmons left Booker T. Washington High School to take a position in New York in 1945, Tim Clark stayed there for additional two years before finally leaving Booker T. Washington High School, an institution she had helped mold in order to return to her hometown, Charleston, South Carolina to take care of her ailing mother, Victoria. Even after her mother mistreated her, she still had that family-oriented lifestyle and mentality So she went back to take care of her ailing mother. During this time, Clark had trouble providing for Nero Jr. So in 1935, she decided to send him back to North Carolina, back to Hickory, to live with her parental, his parental grandparents. So Clark's decision to send Nero Jr. to live with his parental grandparents was a common action in this time due to the Great Depression. Right. And it's a result of financial issues. Septima Poinsett Clark, married to Nero David Clark Sr., resulted in the course of depression after Septima as well as significant decline in her self-confidence. Mm -hmm. So our friend, our father's friend, grew up without his mother. But the blessing was, we would never have met her grandsons if she hadn't made that decision. Right. So the other interesting connection, as I turn it over to Irene, the other interesting connection is that my mother grew up in King Street, South Carolina, which is near Columbia, mm -hmm. where my cousin, her brother's daughter, and her family lives today. She married a stranger, <laughs> a mountain man wow. named Benjamin F. Sutter from Hickory, North Carolina. My mother didn't conceive me until eight years after they were married. Mm -hmm. So I hope, I hope that that ridiculous legend didn't affect her mentally, my mother mentally because of that. So the similarities are interesting, mm. but thanks be to God, she did marry that mountain man, my father, or we wouldn't be here today. That's right. And our daughter interned at a middle school in a summer program 
when she was at Spelman College across the street from the University of South Carolina in Columbia. And she stayed in one of their dorms. Yeah, so to go back to her, you know, um, devotion to taking care of her mother, that was nobody but God, right. you know. Um, and rightfully so, you know, she did, she honored her mother until her death. But right. I just thought that was interesting. Nobody but God to give her that Mm -hmm. strength despite right. of you know how her mother felt and and how vocal she was in her mm -hmm. decision and mm -hmm. all of that mm -hmm. she honored her mother right and i believe uh septima mm -hmm. you call her septima i call her septima okay <laughs> uh she lived a long time okay. and that's a true that that's another scripture we should have mm -hmm. brought up mm -hmm. you know honor thy mother and thy father right. so that your days yeah. on the earth will be, be long, long. yes, yes. So, you know, I just wanted to say that, but mm -hmm. we have and have had so many phenomenal black leaders, not mm -hmm. just women, women and men, mm -hmm. and we're not diminishing mm -hmm. any of them and their contribution mm -hmm. to the civil rights movement. And right. we're certainly not throwing any shade on Mrs. Rosa Parks. Mm -hmm. uh, we brought her up earlier in the show, uh, but Mrs. Sep Septima mm -hmm. Poinsett Clark, mm -hmm. She pioneered this civil rights movement. That's right. And the work that she put forth before, mm -hmm. listen now, it was before Mrs. Rosa Parks right. uh, was even on the scene mm -hmm. and made her world changing, refusing to give up her seat on the bus. Right, right. This was all before that. So mm -hmm. Septima, it, you know, she's a daughter of a slave mm -hmm. and she made her mark. Mm -hmm. on this movement not right. in a bus right and not at the lunch counter right. all of this was before that because mm -hmm. those were very significant in the movement mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. but in a classroom, in classroom that's right in a classroom and she is known mm -hmm. as the freedoms teacher mm -hmm. community teacher right queen mother of the right. civil rights movement right we're going to reference her today as the grandmother, grandmama. grandmama. <laughs> you know, we don't even say mother in the side. We say grandmama. Mm -hmm. um, while Mrs. Rosa Parks, like I said, is known as the mother right. of the civil rights movement. Uh, Septima is known as the grandmother and mm -hmm. the ultimate mm -hmm. of all the civil rights activists, in my wow. opinion. Wow. She made impact. That's she it. was moving and shaking mm -hmm. in the early 1900s. Mm -hmm. So her work was so fundamental and right. so essential in the fight for African-Americans right. and their voting rights, mm -hmm. especially in the Southern state that the most, I don't think it's the most racist. I shouldn't mm -hmm. say that, but it's <laughs> right. one of the most right. racist, right. the state of South Carolina. Mm -hmm. So if only our people would know, right. you know, we got to keep encouraging our people. I'm not going to say it's just young people. There's older people, middle-aged mm -hmm. people that mm -hmm. still don't understand the struggle. The struggle, that's right. And what all, you know, our forefathers had to fight mm -hmm. through and to, um, you know, withstand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're talking about taking a stand. That's right. That's right. They would not. You know, without a question, they would not have a problem exercising, mm -hmm. exercising their right to vote. Right. Um, and then these are the ones, if you ever notice, mm -hmm. they're the ones that's complaining about the outcome of all of the elections. Right. 
but don't right. cast their vote. Mm -hmm. So we've got to challenge our people. I'm sorry, we've got to do that. That's this it. woman has put in a lot of work, mm -hmm. not just her, but like I said, we're not diminishing anyone else. We're just focusing on September right. today. today. Now she right. was the epitome of determination. Right. Right. You know, although she was not able to attend college mm -hmm. um, initially right. due to financial constraints. Can you imagine being in college in the early 1900s? Wow. People didn't have money, but she took, <laughs> look, she had the brain. Right. She right. took a state examination mm -hmm. at the age of 18 mm -hmm. to allow her to teach. Wow. Look at that. That's determination. Mm -hmm. She could have gave up and said, oh, forget it. Right. I can't right. teach, mm -hmm. you know, um, I don't have the money. Mm -hmm. I don't, I can't go to school, mm -hmm. but she bypassed all of that. And as an African-American, she was racially discriminated against. She was blocked and mm -hmm. barred from teaching in the Charleston, South Carolina public school district. Mm -hmm. But you know what? We know where there's a will, That's right. there That's is a way. a way. And so she was able to find a position mm -hmm. In a rural school district, mm. look, whatever it takes, she was willing to go forth right, and right. do what she knew she was called to do on John's Island. Mm -hmm. And it's the largest of the sea islands. Right. We had to do a little research on that, too. <laughs> got, got something else on our bucket list. Y'all right, check right, out right. the John, you know, the sea islands. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of them. And little did we know you might have been to one or two of them yourself. Right. But she taught on the islands from 1916 to 1919 at <laughs> Promised Land School. I love right. the name, Promised, Promised Land. Land. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then returned to Avery mm -hmm. from 1919 to 1920. Look, she didn't let the dust settle up on her feet. She was moving. She <laughs> right. was going to get back to Charleston. Mm -hmm. She was able to return to school part-time. Look. Mm -hmm. She was not being defeated right. in Columbia, South Carolina, mm -hmm. to complete her BA at Benedict right. in 1942. Mm -hmm. And then she received her MA mm -hmm. from Hampton. Right. The sister was determined. Mm -hmm. Look, during this time, she taught children during the day right. and illiterate adults on her own time at night. Because these, these people didn't have money. It right, wasn't right. about money for her. Mm -hmm. So I tell you, we are a people of creativity. Right. We're innovative. We're trendsetters. Mm -hmm. And we're trailblazers. Right. You can't mess with no black folk. I'm telling you now. <laughs> she having no access to reading materials. Listen to this. Mm -hmm. She decided she had a, a Sears catalog. Right. I remember those, mm -hmm. you know, and she taught the adults right, right. how to read and comprehend. Mm -hmm. Look, mm -hmm. she made it happen. She made it happen. Right, and right. so you talk about community service. Look, that was so big when our kids were in high school. Mm -hmm. You got to do community service. You got to give back. Look right, at that. Right. She's giving back and she's reaching back, mm -hmm. helping mm -hmm. her people. That's what it was all about in that day. That's you it. know, not being selfish. Right, Not being, right. look, I got mine. You figure it out. Go get yours. She mm -hmm. was a community right. leader and a community teacher. Mm -hmm. So listen to her rate of pay when she taught during the day. Mm -hmm. $35 per week, per week at a school that taught 132 students. Wow. That's amazing. While her white counterparts right. that were across the way, mm -hmm. They made $85 per week at a school that only had three children. Wow. wow. What they they probably had one child apiece for $85. <laughs> wow. 
How unfair. But mm -hmm. these experiences mm -hmm. with her educational history, right. as well as her early experience with growing up, you know, in a racist Charleston mm -hmm. city and teaching in the slums, right. that's what prompted her mm -hmm. to want to work towards civil rights. Right. And she taught for nearly 40 years. 40 years. You know, there's a thing of being on the job for 40 years. I'm sorry we didn't do that. That's just too, too much. But I appreciate her effort and her dedication and her love for what she did for her people. That was her heartstring, educating her people. And she loved it. You know, how the teachers of today, if they could take a page out of her book, because a lot of them don't have their heart in what they're doing. So our children are suffering. Mm -hmm. So Grandmother Clark, that's what I'm going to call her going forward, <laughs> y'all. She first heard of the National Advancement or Association for the Advancement right. of Colored People. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't like I wish they would change that color. <laughs> that's the still, name. That that's is the NAACP right. as we know it as. While she was teaching on Johns Island from 1916 to mm -hmm. 1919, right. there was no NAACP chapter on Johns Island, mm -hmm. but a meeting was held with various preachers mm -hmm. and they came and spoke mm -hmm. about what the NAACP was trying to do. Mm -hmm. And so the superintendent was in attendance to collect dues. We got to get the dues now. <laughs> We how are we gonna make things happen without that's, the money? That's right. And that's right. it was then mm -hmm. that that really touched her heart, and she decided to join the organization. Wow. Now, if persistence was a person, mm -hmm. it would be Grandmother Clark. Mm -hmm. In right. in 1919, she returned to Charleston. I mm -hmm. told you she was getting back to home mm -hmm. to teach sixth grade at mm -hmm. Avery mm -hmm. Normal Institute a private academy for right. black children in okay. Charleston. Okay. Private. Look, mm -hmm. look, Charleston was doing things mm -hmm. private. She joined the Charleston branch of the NAACP mm -hmm. and then she began attending meetings regularly wow. under the guidance of Edmund Austin. Okay. Now, I, you got to pause here. I uh -huh. tried to look him up and there is no history on this man. Mm -hmm. Isn't that? That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting yeah. enough, right. not through all, all of the internet, there's nothing about this man. He mm. was the president mm. of the local NAACP in Charleston. Mm. And Grandmother Clark, mm -hmm. she took part in her first political action with the NAACP in Charleston. Okay. She was also unstoppable, mm -hmm. not just determined and persistent, unstoppable. Mm -hmm. Despite the order of us, orders of her principal, she led her students right. around the city going door to door, mm -hmm. asking for signatures on mm -hmm. a petition mm -hmm. to allow black principals mm -hmm. at Avery. Wow. She was not playing. <laughs> she got mm -hmm. 10,000 signatures wow. in a day. Wow. Baby, they, they were walking early morning <laughs> and night, all night. And in 1920, mm -hmm. look, was that the next year? In 1920, Black teachers were permitted. permitted. See, go. when we join forces, mm -hmm. we it. are a force to be reckoned with. Mm -hmm. In 1920, while mm -hmm. serving as an educator in Charleston, mm -hmm. Grandmother Clark worked with the NAACP right. to gather petitions mm -hmm. allowing, like I said, Blacks to service principals in Charleston right. schools. Right. Now, their signed petitions mm -hmm. resulted in the first Black principal. Mm -hmm. 
in Charleston as well. So, you know, Clark was working tirelessly to teach literacy literacy to Mm -hmm. Black adults. Mm -hmm. And her participation in the NAACP was her first statement, as I said, Mm -hmm. in political action. And Mm -hmm. 1920 was a blessed year for her because she enjoyed the first of many, many legal victories when Blacks were given the right to become not just principals in the school, but also, you know, she worked with Thurgood Marshall in 1945 as Mm -hmm. a case that was you know, about equal pay Mm -hmm. for, you know, black teachers. That was also led by the NAACP, you know, and in the late Mm forties, it proved to be a difficult time for grandmother Clark because she stood up for the NAACP's Mm -hmm. aim Mm -hmm. of equalization and integration against many other members and activists. Mm -hmm. So another one of the greatest accomplishments was in 1953. Mm-hmm. You know, some time may have passed, but I'm sure she was working oh, yeah. tirelessly. Mm-hmm. Grandmother Clark, she visited Highlander mm-hmm. Folk School in mm-hmm. Tennessee, okay. which was dedicated to training community organizers mm-hmm. and pursuing equality for all. Wow! Here we go. Still to this day, trying to pursue equality that's and it. justice that's, that's for that's everyone. Isn't mm-hmm. that in the in the uh, mm-hmm. the uh, Pledge of Allegiance, right, liberty right. and justice for oh, all? Right, right, right. Come on, <laughs> it's it's not happening. Mm-hmm. This is where though she developed. The citizenship school model, right. um, which promoted literacy, literacy yeah. and political mm-hmm. education. education I appreciate it. that. She coupled those two together because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we're citizens of the United States. And yes, we deserve to be able to read and write right. and to educate and mm-hmm. to be able to comprehend. That's it. And we also need to be uh, educated politically because right. that's where all of that craziness was happening with Mm -hmm. these politicians. Mm -hmm. So Grandmother Clark, she designed educational programs to Mm -hmm. teach African-American community members how to read and write. Mm -hmm. She was so determined. She Mm -hmm. thought this was important in order to vote and to gain other rights. So her idea for this citizen Mm -hmm. education became the cornerstone mm-hmm. of the civil rights nice. movement. That's it. That's it. That's why she is the grandmother mm-hmm. before all the others. She right. worked with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as I said before, you know, she believed in the power of literacy right. and nonviolent resistance. Mm-hmm. Thus her and Dr. King, boy, they, yeah. they were a pair. That's it. And she was interested in the work of the young activists. Mm-hmm. See? As we are growing older, we right. still got to remember our younger oh, yeah. people. Oh, yeah. So the citizenship school mm-hmm. became a, a cornerstone for the SCLC. Right. Powerful. Mm-hmm. The Southern Christian Leadership, Leadership Conference. Conference. Right. And so during this time, voter registration campaign mm-hmm. began in the 1960s, which was led by Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., mm-hmm. And the the organization emphasized education along with nonviolent protests as uh, tactics to secure civil rights. Mm -hmm. So I call her a fire starter, too, (laughs) 
because she was not playing. She mm. wasn't playing with just no dull <laughs> matches, baby. She was starting some That's stuff. It. And it. so she yeah. was educating others for the sake of civil rights. Mm -hmm. Grandmother Clark, look, yeah. here she goes. Yeah. She joined the SCLC. Right. And in 61, they made her the director mm -hmm. of education and teaching. Right. Right. They right. say this woman is powerful. Mm -hmm. Look, and, and nowadays, you know, men have a problem with women being in leadership some i'm not gonna say all yeah but then they were like come on well, she, not, she's not initially now she had a little struggle i'm sure she did yeah, yeah. but they made her the director right, and right, in 62 right. sclc joined with other organizations mm -hmm. to form the voter education project right, which right. trained teachers mm -hmm. for citizenship schools and assisted in increasing mm -hmm. the voter registration among African-Americans. Right. Now we've done a lot. We got, you know, Stacey Abrams. There Look, this is, this is the <laughs> September of, of, of this day. Mm -hmm. You know, she mm -hmm. is making things happen and That's getting it. these people registered to vote. So I called her a firefighter because she was a spark mm -hmm. and she was fierce. Right. Uh, right. She was spirited and enthusiastic mm -hmm. about the movement. Mm -hmm. You know, I found a few of her quotes and I, I got to make these uh, known to you guys. Mm -hmm. And that validates my thought. Mm -hmm. um, there's one that I'm going to share in particular that uh, I have uh, an actual picture of it. But one is that I have been oppressed. Mm -hmm. And so I am always going to have a vote for the oppressed, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the persecuted. Right. Right, the right. ill-treated, mm -hmm. the downtrodden, abused, and victimized, which is our people, mm -hmm. us, you, and me. Mm -hmm. And so the one that's on the screen says, I just tried to create a little chaos. <laughs> chaos is a good thing. God created the world out of it, the whole world out of it, mm -hmm. and change is what comes of it. Look mm -hmm. at how powerful. Look at how powerful. Mm -hmm. I love it. And chaos is always has this negative, you know, negative connotation. Mm -hmm. But look, she made it a positive thing. Mm -hmm. wow. The greatest evil in our country today is ignorance. Wow. This That's is her it. quote. That's it. We need to be taught to study rather than to believe. Wow. Wow. Powerful. Mm -hmm. And this is the last. No, I have two more. This is another one. It says the air has finally gotten to the place mm -hmm. that we can breathe it together. Wow. That's it. That's wow. It. <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out. I'm not trying to be so, you know, pessimistic, <laughs> mm -hmm. but, you know, sometimes it's not so, so you are not so able to breathe it together. Right. But right. here's right. another one. What we are working for is an educational program mm -hmm. that has become a resource and rallying point for scores of brave Southerners who are leading the fight for justice and better race relations in these crucial days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, this is a powerful woman, powerful woman. I see someone has, has commented, mm -hmm. uh, Brian D. Williams, thank uh, you for joining uh, in. Uh, good, good, evening. Good, evening. good evening. Good evening. And so, uh, Grandmother Clark mm -hmm. is perhaps the only woman to play a significant role in educating African-Americans right. and uh, for full citizenship rights without mm -hmm. gaining significant recognition. That's right. That's and right. are we surprised? <laughs> no. Not at all. Just mm -hmm. like I couldn't find the, the, the president of the NAACP, nobody's going to promote that mm -hmm. and advertise that. Right. Uh, right. But what do we do? 
we keep persevering. We mm -hmm. keep pushing. We keep moving forward for the betterment of our people. Mm. That doesn't change for us. Right. Uh, regardless of what they do and what they try to withhold, this, mm -hmm. this governor in Florida trying right. to keep our history, no matter what, mm -hmm. uh, we are definitely going to keep making impact. We're get, definitely going to keep making progress because mm -hmm. as the years go by, and we see it now today, the white race are becoming mm -hmm. the minority. And they know that they're becoming scared. They're becoming combative and they're actually feeling ousted and rightfully so. And, and they're threatened by us. They've always been threatened by us. So, you know, this is nothing new for us. Okay. And so we, we're just going to keep, keep pushing forward. So in 1979, this is wonderful. President Jimmy Carter awarded grandmother Clark, a living legacy award mm -hmm. and we have a picture of that actually uh i think it's gonna be this one oh, okay no uh, actually i guess i didn't put it up but anyway <laughs> uh, yeah he um awarded her with an award the living mm -hmm. legacy award her second autobiography ready from within mm -hmm. september clark and the Civil Rights Movement. That won an American Book Award. Wow. So this is the historical marker that we put up. Mm -hmm. um, this historical marker is located in, wait for it, <laughs> Charleston, South Carolina. They finally got with the program. And it reads, uh, in part, uh, Septima Poinsett Clark, mm -hmm. who Martin Luther King Jr. called the mother of the movement, right. was a nationally influential civil rights activist. Yes, yes, yes. I love it. And then this picture, which we did put up earlier, you see she's in the middle and there's Rosa, Cla uh, Rosa Park. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm not sure who the other lady is um, on the other side. And this is some of her just historical pictures. Mm -hmm. Wow. Outstanding yes, woman. Yes, yes, Outstanding. Yes. Look her up, you guys. Mm -hmm. But lastly, before we close, there's a very rare film and it's on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I love YouTube. Look, you can't go wrong. You can find everything of her telling an interesting story about Rosa Parks wow. to Dr. Grace McFadden at the University of South Carolina in 1979. Wow. Okay. okay. So we uh, are so elated to be able to bring this history and how it relates to us mm -hmm. in such a rich way. Right, and right. little did we know, we reached out to the grandson whom we still uh, we are friends with him on Facebook, right, haven't right, seen him right. in years. Mm -hmm. uh, but unfortunately he was unable to make it, but what a connection, what a connection. that would have been, mm -hmm. but thank God for Nerai Clark, the yes, third, he offered us a lot of information, right. Right. Uh, some historical documents. So mm -hmm. we're grateful that we made that connection. Yes, uh, yes. So, so grateful. Yes. 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 Anything else? No, that's good. Oh, okay. That's good. I mean, you covered it, but you know, the main thing is that uh, what one of her saying that I mentioned earlier is, is still prevalent today mm. is that knowledge mm -hmm. knowledge could empower marginalized groups mm. in ways that formal legal equality couldn't the same thing today these legalities and these laws yeah that try to put us in certain positions knowledge is key knowledge is power that's it and we yes. have to teach we can't depend on 
the Sanchez or whoever. <laughs> <laughs> we can't depend Sam on Tulsa, we can't, we can't depend <laughs> on these white schools to educate our children. We got to educate them ourselves. It. It, starts take, it starts at home. You got to take the time to do it at home. Hopefully, you can you can attend the HBCU, but you know if you're smart enough to attend another university, that's fine. That's great. Another college or another high school, that's fine. But what's our job? That's you it. You can't expect somebody else to do it. We have to do it. And we if you do go. attend another school, you right. know, wonderful, but be that spark right? and right. get get it started at your school. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, the, I pray that you don't just learn about black history when you get to college. Right. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> like I did. <laughs> but we knew a lot. We knew a lot, but I didn't, yeah, I didn't teach you that Hickory High. We didn't lot, but we didn't knew teach you that college part. Our parents <laughs> and our four or five, we, right, we, right. we were ingrained in, if nothing right. else, Dr. King and what he did. But, right, right, you know, right. we're learning. We're still learning. And mm -hmm. look, knowledge, mm -hmm. it, it never stops. Right. If you say I know it all, then there's a problem. Mm -hmm. Every day we learn something new. And we thank God for for this this uh this nugget mm -hmm. of information that we've oh, received. Bless, this has been bless. a blessing. Oh, yes, so yes. we hope that this show has also blessed you, whether if you're watching us live or if you're you're you know running it back, rewinding it and watching it later on. We appreciate your support. Yes, thank we you. hope that you have been enlightened and blessed. The uh, the banner or the the photo behind us says it all, and that's mm -hmm. what she was very hopeful, yes. patient, encouraging, yes. honest, yes. peaceful, forgiving, God forgiving, yes. Yes. accepting, fearless, supportive, thankful. Right, right, right. right. And what does the last one say? Loving. Oh, loving and being mm -hmm. open. That's it. That's it. That capitalizes mm -hmm. all that she oh, was yes. and all that we need to be in this mm -hmm. day and time. That's it. So uh, with that, we're going to conclude this episode with a closing scripture. And it comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. And this is the King James Version. And it reads, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Right. We are perplexed, mm -hmm. but not in despair. Not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Mm -hmm. Cast down, but not, not destroyed. destroyed. That's it. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, mm -hmm. that the life also of Jesus right. might be made manifest, manifest. manifest in our bodies. Yeah. Is that our people or what? <laughs> All That's of it. that right. Right. describes That's our people. Mm -hmm. And yet... Look, did Maya Angelou say that? And we rise. We, rise. we stand firm mm -hmm. on the solid rock. Our ankle holds and grips the solid rock, which yeah. is Jesus Christ, our yeah. Lord. Yes, so continue to enjoy your weekend. Don't let Black History Month conclude on February 28th. Mm -hmm. It's every day, 24-7, 365. God, That's bless, God you. bless you. We Thank love you. you. Thank love you. you.